Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to Podcasting Smarter. We are so excited that you're here today. And today we have a live stream as part of our Corporate Podcasting Smarter series, which we are so excited about creating a podcast network for your niche with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So I'm going to read our brief intro. My name is Norma Jean Belenke. I'm the head of events here at Podbean, and then we will jump in. So welcome back, everyone, to Podcasting Smarter and our January live Corporate Podcasting Smarter event, creating a podcast network for your niche with the Pharmacy Podcast Network with Todd Yuri, CEO of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Podcasting Smarter has live stream sessions like this one, along with exclusive recorded episodes on the Podcasting Smarter podcast. Podcasting Smarter and the Corporate Podcasting Smarter series are brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing solution and private podcast hosting solution for Fortune 500 companies with secure encrypted podcasting and network plans and a proven track record within the industry. Head over to podbean.com backslash enterprise to learn more about our business and enterprise solutions. And now let's get started. Hello, Todd. How's it going? Hello, Norma. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. We are so excited that you're here with us to talk all about creating a podcast network and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Well, I wish I could say I was brilliant from the beginning and thinking, I'm going to build a podcast network for the pharmacy industry. But I'm not going to um, embellish. I'm going to just lay it out there of what happened. Um, I was selling um, pharmacy management software, complex software systems to closed-door pharmacies, which are pharmacies that care for seniors or um, people that need additional help, Um, not the community setting that everybody thinks of when they think of pharmacy. And um, I was uh, was entering that that phase during some technological upgrades to software in general. We moved from closed systems to open source systems. Any nerds out there that know what SQL Server is, it's a database that allows you to really do anything with your data. And we were the first um, long-term care pharmacy system that was built on that. And I was excited to learn more about the pharmacy industry. And there were zero podcasts in 2009 that would talk about the industry or teach us about each other in the industry. And so I decided, um, hey, I'm going to start a very horribly sounding podcast, which it was in 2009 and didn't know what I was doing. And I did it because I wanted to learn more about the people that I served and that I respected, which were my pharmacists. And um, I started slow. I was doing one a week starting in March of 2009. And um, I started realizing there were so many amazing stories out there that were teaching me about aspects of the business of pharmacy that I didn't understand. And that's right around 2012. I started reaching out to pharmacists who were passionate, who were great bloggers. And I asked them, how would you like to help me build 
additional podcast because as a non-pharmacist, I was a technologist, I didn't know certain details of pharmacy care that they understood. So I started recruiting uh, pharmacists and it was a very slow go at first because I still got asked up until 2016, 17, well, what is a podcast? You know, I don't, I don't know what this is. And it was hard to, to describe if people didn't listen to podcasts. So I'd point them to directories and try to get them to listen to other shows. And then we just, uh, we exploded in 2017, 2018. And now it's the largest network of podcasts in the world dedicated to the profession of pharmacy. And, and, it, and it's really given me an amazing way to reach um, other aspects of healthcare as we serve our our public and our patients. So, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a rocket ship thirteen year you know ride, but I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely, and it's definitely something where podcasting as a medium, as an industry itself, has evolved. So you've really been able to evolve with it, which is very cool. Um, and you know, I want to ask you also, which shows were first and how did it kind of go from a couple of podcasts to a network? That's a great question. So initially it was just called the Pharmacy Podcast Show and it was a catch-all. Mm-hmm. So I could yeah. I could talk about yeah. technology or a specific disease state or a condition that um, was affecting our entire industry. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that there were people that had very specific knowledge for very specific um, categories of pharmacy. And so I started asking them, would you like to pick up on a theme and um, carry that theme um, on a on a cycle? And we learned that once every 30 days was the best cycle for people to not disrupt their, um, their everyday work and to get them to uh, deliver content to us in, in its raw form so that we could take it and um, make it sound good and put music to it and and then throw it up on the network. And yeah. it's just been, it's been amazing to seeing how it's grown. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, we have 45 participating um, podcast um, part, you know, members of the network and we yeah. have 30 industry and, you know, people, 30 organizations that are using our network to get content out to pharmacists. And it's been a joy for me to see it come as far as it's come. Yeah, absolutely. And for anybody out there who is possibly looking to start a podcast network, <laughs> because I think, you know, with the Pharmacy Podcast Network, it, it really just happened so organically, right? The right. need was there and the excitement was there and the content was there and the education was needed. So what are some best practices or even tips that you might have for podcasters or, or folks out there within a specific niche industry who are looking to start a podcast network? So I guess starting a podcast versus starting a podcast network are two levels. So you definitely have to have level one uh, figured out and you have to be comfortable with it. And um, I think consistency is the key to success in podcasting because you can continuously refine and improve upon every aspect of what you're doing from editing to um, the software you use to the intros, outros, the the ad rolls, the whatever, however you're constructing your podcast, it has to be from your heart. It has to be your personality. It has to be what you've constructed. Now, when you go from your perfection of your own show and now you take it to a network, you have to become a servant leader. You have to know that 
your network is is a platform for your other podcast and or people that are podcasting um, to ra- to raise them up. And you have to understand that you're taking um, a backseat to a lot of the things that you were used to doing when you were a single podcast versus being a network. So network is much more service oriented and much more um, catering to your uh, hosts and of course always to your listeners um, than just your your single you know fly by the seat of your 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 pants podcast or even if it's a professional podcast and you think hey I'm going to take my professional well done sounding even revenue generating podcast and I'm going to develop a network first of all your network has to be a common thread or a common theme that you're all sharing within that network and then that network has to support each other. So, you know, get your podcasters together. Um, make sure that you can show up every once in a while to a conference or something that you're sharing, um, you know, FaceTime. And um, it's it it never changes the way that traditional networking does in, in regard to a podcast network. Although there are still some podcast um, hosts that I still haven't met yet that have been part of the network for years. And we just haven't crossed paths at the right at the right industry conference, but it is 10 times more complex and difficult to go from a single podcast to a network of podcasts if you really plan to deliver value to that network. And then of course, to your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And you've really gotten to know your market and and you work within such a specific niche. So do you have anything that if you knew in the beginning, you would tell yourself or, you know, something that you're glad you did the research on in regard to being able to serve those creators and listeners of the Pharmacy Podcast Network shows? Yeah. If I go back in time, I would have probably either gone to law school or gone to pharmacy school. So I had more context <laughs> around the the most reoccurring elements of the information that I'm curating and helping to create. And then of course, helping to dis, um, to, to, to disperse and I should say to dispense using that word um, out to the listening audience. Our podcast right now at this stage is really a B2B environment. It's a business to business environment, a professional to professional. We cater towards the listener that is a healthcare provider, primarily pharmacists and secondary physicians and tertiary. We would cater to um, like nurses and that's great, but we are moving now to um to a consumer podcast, which we want the pharmacist to deliver content to the consumer. And, and we know that that's our part of our future growth. And it's one of the reasons that we're even with Podbean is because of that uh, developing um, that relationship with our consumer listener. Therein lies more responsibility as a network to assure that there's quality and that there's evidence-based information and that there's a lot of less uh, opinion and more truth and more uh, substantial information that can be verified by journal articles or referenceable material, white papers. So if you become a network, you almost have to level up your quality of content, unless it's a comedy network or something like that where it's just fun. But if you're in a professional environment, if you're in engineering or I said law or you know um, technology or some other professional market, you're taking on a bigger responsibility than any of your single podcasts that are part of your network because you become the czar of uh, of truth 
for the theme that you're that you're networking through and to. So it's a lot to think about, and it's probably more complex than what people really think initially. I know it was for me. I I need to write probably a white paper myself or a book. No, no, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, you know, what you said about your about the pharmacist being host. So you know, because podcasting is such a relatively new medium in comparison with you know, how long the pharmaceutical industry has been around and how long people train to be pharmacists. You know, what has the evolution into podcasting been like for your creators? That's a great, a great question. The The majority of our hosts have never podcasted before. So normally they start out as guests on one of our existing shows. And based on their cadence of their voice and the way that they sound and how comfortable they are, on a speaker or being recorded because there's these types of pharmacists who are extremely intelligent people. And some of them are, you know, super shy and, and more analytical and nerdy and introverted. And then the other side is just as intelligent, but um, extroverted. And they're able to be um, more of a, more of an actor per se, um, be, to be able to project their voice and, and have something that's fun to listen to. So I help them I, I see people that have been on shows that they never thought they would become a host. And, and I feel like I'm a, I'm a farmer of podcasters in the pharmacy market because I look for that uh, voice inflection. I look for the personality. I look for, you know, even being um, jovial or being funny. And then I ask them, what would it be like if you did a three-part series on something you were passionate about? Or what would you like to help us out on, on, an, on a reoccurring uh, podcast? And I've eased many of them in, but then there's others that I've said, what do you think about doing a, um, a show on pediatrics and focusing on children in pharmacy? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Some, some have eased their way in and some of them have jumped right into it. And um, I think that just is based on personality of the individual. And um, there's a lot that, more that goes into it. You have to teach them about distance to the microphone uh, yeah. <laughs> versus being right up on the microphone and, and being able to uh, project their voice in a mic versus, um, versus a camera or um, the content that they're creating is, is based on an outline so that they don't trail off. And as a host, you have to control the interview to stay on target for the outline that you've kind of prefaced or helped them create. So it takes a while for them to get used to quote unquote podcasting, but the majority of them pick it up and, and do an absolute amazing job. I am so blessed to have uh, 45 incredible hosts that have some of the most interesting information in healthcare and it's all over the place. So we have content on, on almost everything you can think of. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of speaking more on the content side of it, how have you been able to use podcasting to educate both industry professionals and providers and licensed therapists? Like what are some of the ways, specifically you were talking just now, you know, you were saying a series on, um, I think you said children's pharmaceuticals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what are some of the applications that you've been able to use podcasting in terms of educational content or um, informing people about maybe the industry trends overall, um, new discoveries, uh, new products, things like that? That's an awesome question. So um, the Pharmacy Podcast Network was the first podcast in the pharmacy profession to develop continuing education through pharmacy and through podcasting and through 
um, the collection of people that really uh, were passionate about what they talked about. And when I first pitched that idea in 2017, I was told by a myriad of documented reasons why it couldn't be done and why it wouldn't fit and it's not the right medium for uh, learning. You know, fast forward to 2019, we convinced Eli Lilly um, to do a, a very thorough series, a six-part series on diabetes in, in the advancement of diabetes uh, technology, as well as a specific medication, which was called Trulicity, and it's still out. So they're, they're doing an amazing job. And bravo to the compliancy team at Eli Lilly that had the, the guts, I guess, because they were paranoid, um, and the editing was just intense. It was There was more editing to that six-part series than any of my podcasts since. And But what that taught me, it was it, it taught me to be a lot more detail-oriented. And it also taught me to start thinking the way that pharmacists learned um, the most basic of knowledge in their P1 stage, uh, P2, P3. All of those are segments of your level of education in, in pharmacy school. So P1 is you're a freshman and P4 is you're a senior. And, um, and then, of course, the progression of that. So I started developing educational-based podcasts that were based on literature and journal articles that had already been peer-reviewed and then, of course, proven as evidence-based medicine. And then we started to roll out concepts to different organizations if they would like to sponsor this content so that we could get it. Um, accredited because there are only certain organizations that can accredit content. And therefore, we found several. We've actually, we're working with three different organizations that do that now. And now, um, podcasting as a form of continuing education is a huge part of uh, forwarding education of our pharmacists and now physicians um, through uh, our partnering, our partnered organization called ConveyMed. So ConveyMed uh, caters primarily to physicians and the pharmacy podcast network uh, caters to obviously pharmacists. But we have an in interesting uh, symbiotic relationship because of the relationship between physicians and pharmacists. Um, we're going to be planning in 2023 to develop series that are conversations between those two providers so that if a patient was dealing with um, hyperlipidemia or um, some kind of cancer or uh, pain management. They could literally listen to their physician and their pharmacist speaking to um, the issue, but then the other providers could listen to that content and then get their continuing education for something that they were interested in. And so that has been a joy to me because we had a, a threshold that we've we've reached, and now we know that there is no reason to not expand podcasting into pharmacy schools, collaborative um, opportunities, poster presentations, which um, podcasting has never been a part of uh, poster presentations. And what that is, is when you go to a pharmacy conference, you'll see a very large poster, literal poster. It's um, sometimes they're uh, four feet in length and uh, maybe, you know, two feet in height. And it's a, it's a very detailed um, diagram and text describing a very specific issue that um, that a pharmacist has researched. And there were zero QR codes on any of these posters that you could scan and listen to an audio summary of that presentation. So we are innovating the poster world. So if you're listening, at least just give us a kind of a, a shout out or a tweet or an Instagram post that you heard it on at Pharmacy Podcast. But um, 
we are so excited about how podcasting, in my opinion, is just starting to uh, bubble up in the world of education for um, for my favorite providers, um, pharmacists. But there are so many other usages um, for podcasting that we're going to be moving into. Um, instructional private podcast for industry-specific organizations that want to communicate to just their sales force and or their marketing teams, as well as um, podcasts that can evolve where you can go back and have purpose of snipping out clips to put in new information so that it's always refreshed. And um, that'll be like our legacy uh, podcast that we'll be able to publish so that when information changes, because when you publish a, 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 an electronic article, you can update it now. Well, we felt that the podcasting should be the same way. So we're going to leave um, purposeful um, notes that our editor will be able to see in the, um, in the waves. And, and there, they'll be able to know that they can clip out those pieces of information that might change. And then therefore, this podcast as form of education can, can be um, evergreen. Absolutely. And having that evergreen content is so important. And I love what you said about continuing education as well as, you know, the the certification, right? So some of the pharmacists, you know, you have to make sure that you're current right, in your knowledge yeah. of the industry. And so, you know, utilizing podcasting for that purpose is phenomenal because it really allows people to absorb content in the way that they learn, right? Because exactly. it's different for everybody. So for, for auditory learners or for people on the go, Having that option is is incredibly important. And I, I love what you talked about in terms of consumer trust because it's such a big thing, right? Like, you know, you're yeah. you're dealing More with a, a medical field that, you know, there's there's really no room for inconsistency or things that aren't accredited. I think, you know, when you're dealing with people's health. So, you know, what's the role that consumer trust plays within the pharmaceutical industry and you know, as with anything medical, there's there's a really high degree of knowledge and training and expertise required. <laughs> yes. Well, as we all know, the pharmaceutical industry, um, different than the pharmacy industry, um, pharmaceutical is more about the actual product and pharmacy is more about the practice of what is pharmacy and medication management. The, the go-between those two uh, sectors of healthcare is the pharmacist. Because the pharmacist's job, number one job, is public safety. A pharmacist needs to assure, which is why your prescription takes so long to get when you're wondering why is it taking 30 minutes or an hour to get my prescription. There's probably back orders and your pharmacist is working on it. But when they get to your order, they're checking your allergies and they're checking your other medications you're on. They're checking vitamins that you've reported because you consumers don't think that over-the-counter is dangerous. But it can be. It's it's substances in your body, and your body reacts to things differently. Um, they have to do so much data analytic work within a very short span of time because they'll have 200, 600, 1,200 orders a day to process, and therefore they're relying on technology to do some of that. But it comes down to their license, their reputation, and their ability to, to stay uh, in business as a pharmacist by keeping you by keeping you safe. When we podcast, I feel the same way. And that is, you know, we're in a our, our society has become very distrusting for many different reasons. I personally probably blame the evolution of the of the realm of social media, for example, <laughs> and the ability that 
everything can turn into a story within seconds on on the interwebs and on social media. So part of that is disinformation and misinformation. And um, we experienced that during the pandemic, obviously, everybody remembers that. And the pharmacist rose to the occasion. They they separated themselves from the hyperboil and from the, the shock and awe and the crazy politics. And they said, we're going to serve public. We're going to uh, test and we're going to uh, administer vaccines and we're going to just show up and do what we're supposed to do to keep our communities safe. And it's interesting that the average person in, in any community within the United States will see their pharmacist nine times more than they ever see their physician in a year in a year period. And the reason is that because of your interaction with why you're going to see a pharmacist versus a physician. And there is no replacement for a physician, meaning pharmacists do not want to be physicians. The physician is the quarterback of healthcare. They they make the decision of the play, they make the decision of where to to pass the ball or where to to you know give the running back the ball and then they expect those other healthcare professionals to fulfill the treatment well a route change if i'm talking about football and you're you know you're passing and you're supposed to run a very specific direction sometimes a pharmacist will say this direction is not working for the treatment and it's not working for the patient and i have to change direction in order to make the goal of that treatment and that's because there's just as much education as being a pharmacist as there is a physician. And the specialties that pharmacists have, we're talking about cancer specialists and genetic specialists, and like I said, pediatric specialists, senior care specialists, the very, there's very thing, there's very specific things happening in our seniors or anyone that's over 65 versus someone that's only three years old. And 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 so the complexities of that come down to um, true medication management as well as forwarding ahead of time and pharmacists are now starting with technology are starting to predict what may happen to you based on your genes because norma if you took a specific medication and i took a specific medication and it was the exact same medication you may react differently to it than me and that may have something to do with your genes so that's the rise of something called pharmacogenomics and pharmacogenomics or if you look it up on google and just put in pgx and then the word pharmacist, and you'll find information on it. That is a cheek swab, a little like a, take a little like Q-tip and you mm -hmm. swab the sides of your cheeks and you send it off to the, to the laboratory and the lab gives the physician and the pharmacist data about your DNA, just like if you did a ancestry.com. It's kind of the same thing, but it's more, it's the medical side of that. And now we know, will Todd and Norma accept and metabolize a specific medication. And yeah. for you, you're a slow metabolizer. For me, I'm a fast metabolizer. Therefore, they'll give me a higher dose, they'll give you a lower dose, or they'll switch you on a completely different medication. That's the complexities that pharmacists have to deal with in order to adjust the treatment that has been um, put into place by our, our amazing physicians. And that pharmacist-physician team um, for anyone out there that is, um, you know, sick or chronic or has some kind of ongoing condition, that those two people in your healthcare realm are so important to um, to thriving because the pharmacist needs to be able to make the adjustments that the physician might not have thought of, and then of course the correlation of data between them is uh, just as important. So 
it's so much that I've learned. And remember, I'm not a pharmacist. I'm just a fanboy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, you know, I love that those examples. Um, and it kind of leads directly into my next question about how podcasting has been able to showcase the expertise that pharmacists have in a trustworthy way. Yes. If you go to any of our feeds, any of our directories, if you Google pharmacypodcast.com or or Pharmacy Podcast uh, Podbean, and yeah. you find our landing page on Podbean, which is one of the most beautiful landing pages. I love it. Um, and you listen to any of the episodes. Some of the episodes you'll notice are very editorial, and they're more talking about issues in the industry. We might be talking about payment reform, which is a big, um, you know, PBM reform, pharmacy benefit managers. You might we might talk about marketing of a specific um, setting, like a community setting or something. But a lot of the content is what you're saying. It's very clinical driven. And if you wanted to learn some of the highest levels and latest level, latest information on, on a myriad of different disease states, especially if you had a family or friend uh, that was suffering with a specific condition, and you start searching our libraries, those discussions are based on the most new and, and, and understanding and journal and referenceable data that those pharmacists are talking with each other about um, those conditions. And therein lies products that we put out, podcasts that we put out, have to be at the highest standards of information because we're catering to pharmacists that could call bullcrap on us at any time, you know, and, and saying, whoa, wait, what they just said is, you know, malarkey or something like that. So we have to make sure that when we're putting out the, um, the, the continuing education and the evidence-based forward podcasts that it is, um, that is well thought out and it's well designed and it's well referenced. And therein lies a uh, trust for the public because now when we go to the consumer side of podcasting and start developing content where we want to market it to the consumer, it will be based on the same philosophies that I've been using now for, you know, for 10 years of the 13 years that, that we've been podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from everything that you've said and for everybody out there who may not be super familiar, the pharmaceutical industry and the, the industry of being a pharmacist is so unique. So can you tell us a little bit about how it's different in terms of educate, education and educating the population of pharmacists than working possibly with doctors or even lawyers, for example? Yes, um, both lawyers and doctors are, you have to be extremely intelligent to get through all of that content and preparation for your uh, boards and for your tests and your license. Um, pharmacists are basically this in the same realm of education. Um, a physician may go to school um, a little bit longer for a specific specialty. Um, but the pharmacists are basically going to school for this for the same amount of time. They they go into pharmacy school with a bachelor's degree, usually biology or chemistry, even engineering, and but most of the time biology and chemistry. And then from there, they go to and go through pharmacy curriculum and pharmacy school. That's anywhere from um, accelerated programs can be two and a half to three years, but most of the time it's four years. And then sometimes pharmacists are saying. I want to go into hands-on, hand-in-hand uh, -hand practice with physicians. And if they say that, that is the hospital system. And therefore, they have to go after what, what we all know is called a residency, just like physicians. Um, physicians go into residency because they want to practice in a hospital system. 
And that requires more of a hands-on approach where now you're moving away from the research and the book information. And now it's that hands-on application information that you're, you're sucking up by actually doing it. And that's an amazing opportunity for pharmacists. And those residencies can take place in hospital systems primarily, but they can also take place in community environments, rare disease state, uh, technology environments where now pharmacists are helping to develop artificial intelligence and then application development um, as well and or MSLs, medical science liaisons. Um, MSLs are how pharmacists are and doctors that work with pharmaceutical manufacturers as representation of the pharma company. They rely on someone that, that has certification and background and normally that's a nurse practitioner, a pharmacist or a physician that is representing those products so that they can speak intelligently about the biological chemistry makeup of what that drug is doing to a human being. And that's there's a ton of ongoing information and education that goes into that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most of your content is for pharmacists, right? Or within the industry. But you mentioned that you guys are moving toward educating the public about what pharmacists do and a little bit more public-facing content. So, I want to get into some of the things from the shows within the network. Um, and so for those who aren't the most familiar about what pharmacists do, they can actually specialize in specific conditions, which is kind of what you were mentioning. Um, and you also kind of touched on AI. So I want to yes. hear a little bit about that. I think, it, you know, when everybody hears AI these days, our ears perk up a little bit. So, you know, as technology evolves, there really is emerging tech within the pharmacy industry, within, you know, the education that pharmacists um, have. And so, you know, can you tell us a little bit about how AI is using data to offer insight for specific treatment goals? Because I think it's so interesting. And, you know, when people think about pharmacists, you know, you think of somebody who's dispensing medication and maybe has a knowledge of medication, but you don't necessarily think, oh, they're working with AI. <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. So um, you wouldn't believe the, there's like the science fiction side of artificial intelligence, and then there's the reality of artificial intelligence, especially at the stage that we're at right now. And so when the public hears AI, um, they immediately go to many of the movies that have been based on, you know, artificial intelligence. And uh, that's not what artificial intelligence is in the <laughs> clinical space. You know, AI today is used to reduce, number one, is to reduce the errors which um, pharmacists and physicians and researchers encounter in drug therapy. Mm. Um, because once again, the pharmacist's number one job of all jobs is to keep you safe. Yeah. So AI is being used to run through millions and millions, if not trillions, of line of code and data to try to make uh, similarities and what could become uh, a contraindication or a danger to a patient. Uh, to simplify this, and this is super simple, I am a 50-year-old male. I had my genetics taken, so they have the genetic readout of me. I weigh 160 pounds. I'm five foot seven. Um, my father, my grandfather, my uncles, my you know nephew, blah, 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 they all had heart attacks by age 43. And then they take that data and they replicate it to every other human being that has the same demographic as me, right? 
And then they say, so how did that drug affect those other people? And then they run that algorithm at the speed of light or however fast they're running it. And they come out with a, a, a flag or a red flag to a pharmacist or a physician and says, if you put Todd on X drug and X drug based on all of these other cases, there is a 62% chance that he'll um, you know, react poorly to the medication. And then that would mean they need to change the medication choice. And now they change it yeah. and they run that same medication with the same data all over again. And then it says, if Todd takes this drug based on all of our AI, artificial intelligence analysis, mm -hmm. um, he'll have a 38% chance of, of, um, of a bad in, you know, reaction to it. So now they just went from 60, whatever I said, 62% to 38%. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, that's even better. Let's run it one more time and let's change this other drug or this other medication. And what if it says I'll have a 22% chance of a bad you know, outcome? So it's really to evaluate the risks involved in therapy and be able to predict therapy outcomes and reduce healthcare costs and healthcare um, bad uh, treatment outcomes. And that's where AI is right now. But I know based on listening and reading and listening to other podcasts where um, AI will go, which will be decision tree um, support so that a pharmacist and physician can say, here's the, here's the decisions we want to make and what's the outcome if we make that decision. So that in an in a artificial environment, you can predict how a human being is going to react to um, you know, an implant or a medication or um, an operation or whatever it is, which makes um, the outcomes more likely to be favorable than, you know, having someone die on an operating table or something. And I think that that starts with, just like I said, um, pharmacogenomics is your genes and your reaction to medications and, and what's that going to tell a pharmacist and physician is how to use that data. That data can be sucked back into an artificial intelligence engine and then allow that AI to create all the predictions, as many predictions as possible to get that percentage to a lowest percentage possible of, yeah. of future for the patient. Oh, no, that's fascinating. And I think it's so, you know, it's so interesting, like you were saying, you know, the number one job of a pharmacist is to keep you safe. So I think that a lot of the work that pharmacists do, you know, is making sure that, you know, those interactions within medications aren't um, harmful, right? And so as technology evolves, <laughs> right, we can, you know, really use it to help that mission, right? Exactly. It's, it's really incredible. And I love that you know, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is using podcasting to really educate pharmacists on, you know, some of the new developments in that space so that, you know, overall the industry can get safer. Exactly. Yes. And it's going to be the pharmacist, physician, nurse collaboration teams that are going to come out with the next advancement in treatments. And they'll push that information back to the drug manufacturers to um, expedite the ability to get a drug to market faster than what we used to. And, and, and the cost should come down, but we all know there's a, there's a money side on, um, to, the, to healthcare. And sometimes I believe there's a balance between profit and profiteering. There's nothing wrong with profit, but profiteering is another thing. And so we just have to have um, good people uh, in charge of 
in charge of development decisions. And, and that way we can try to save as much money of our, of our systems as possible, especially when taxes are involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that that's absolutely. That's another podcast. We're, we're talking about pharmacy today, not taxes. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I, th- I think it's really incredible in terms of, of the, just the diversity of content that you guys are creating. It's really incredible. The number of shows, the number of, you know, specific niche topics, the partnerships that you guys are doing with pharmaceutical companies about education within specific, I want to say like specific niches of medicine, right? Like you were saying with diabetes. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys are really focused on education and, and helping people receive the best pharmacy care. Um, so what are some resources that you can, maybe for everybody listening, that you can point us in the direction of? So I would say go to pharmacists, that's plural.com, or you could just Google APHA, that stands for the American Pharmacists Association. That's the largest of our associations in the pharmacy industry. And they have a tremendous amount of resources for the public to look up information that comes directly from uh, pharmacists. And yeah. pharmacists are like the second, if not the first, most trusted um, healthcare professionals, you know, in market. I think, I think nurses are number one. So a shout out to nurses because they're um they're angels uh, of what they put up with uh, day in and day out. But um, but there have been polls over the years that show that pharmacists are so trusted. And I think that, that therein lies um the whole element of safety. Um, because that's what they're doing every day is assuring safety. So please look up the APHA as a resource. And then um, there are uh, databases like Medispan that you can look up. There's uh, journals. If you go to Google just as a trick and put in any condition that you're worried about or a loved one has, and you put in the word right after medical journal or journal, um, you'll find so many published peer-reviewed journals that will give you the real information and not the magazine information and not the blog information and not the, you know, all of the hearsay. You right, know, but coming from you know, clinical trials and trusted yeah. resources. And you said that this is a lot of content that you guys are creating podcasts on, right? And yes. podcast content on. So it's, all, it's just really phenomenal, the work that you guys are doing. And I, I also want to ask, you know, what have been some defined measurements of success for both the network and also for your creators and individual podcasts? That's a great question. So first of all, it was terrifying to uh, leave my, my wife says, my real job in order to podcast full time. So that happened in 2019. So up until 2019, from 2009 to 2019, for 10 years, I was working a full time, 50 hours a week traveling position traveling all over the country for, um, for technology, as well as uh, um, my last three years uh, working um, in the pharmacy sector was for the, the disease of uh, opioid usage disorder. And, oh, um, and so that was intense. And then I was coming home and editing a bunch of podcasts and designing a bunch of podcasts. So I was working way too much, too much time. And I, I was, um, deteriorating my family and my work-life balance was not good. So I needed to make a decision. Did I give up and or sell the Pharmacy Podcast Network or do I jump into it and and blow it up? So one of the proving points to me that this is working is number one, I'm able to pay all of my bills and and live um, as comfortably as I was in my real job 
uh, like yeah. Nicole said. For everybody who works full-time in <laughs> podcasting, I think, you know, there is this kind of like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> I don't have to get a real job. You yes. know, I'm, I, I get to create podcasts all day about the specific thing that I love, or I get to be a podcast service provider and just edit podcasts and do the thing I love. It's, it's so amazing in the podcasting industry, just the joy and purpose that people have around creating podcasts. It's really yes. incredible. And then my second thing I have to say, Norma, is we were awarded 2022 Healthcare Podcast of the Year by um, the healthcare information and technology and marketing company called HITMIC, H-I-T-M-C. The reason why that award was so special to me is it came from a non-pharmacy organization that recognized yeah. that we were doing things in podcasting that had never been done before. So they recognized that and they said, boy, this organization deserves the number one podcast of the year in the healthcare space. So that was huge for us. And that showed me that I'm on the right track um, in, in podcasting in general. And that that really made me want to push the, the gas pedal down as, as hard as I could get it to the floor. Because now I'm like, I've been verified by peers in, in the healthcare realm that we're doing, we're doing good things. So um, I'm excited yeah. about what's coming. And having that reassurance. Yes. And what what have some of the overall impacts of the Pharmacy Podcast Network been? So we know that um, based on feedback from pharmacists that the time that they're saving and in, in getting their continuing education is wonderful because now when they're driving home and they know they have a 40-minute commute or a two-hour commute at sometimes because of traffic in the New York or uh, San Diego, <laughs> you know, areas, yeah. um, that they can consume podcasts um, that they can go back and get their continuing education. So that's a lot of time saved instead of having to sit down with your free time and, and pump out 30 credits of continuing education. Now you can listen to a podcast and go and take a, a short little quiz or test in order to get that CE. So that's that time savings and that validity of what we're doing based on my number one, you know, uh, audience, which is the pharmacist has been huge. And then, the national associations who have approached us to support them, the NASP, which is this National Association of Specialty Pharmacies, and the APHA, which I've already mentioned, um, they've all relied on the PPN to, um, to partner with them on their podcasts and to get their content out there. So that affirmation has just been huge. It's, it's getting recognition from your internal, almost like my internal work family is just enormous. So we're we're excited and very proud of, of what we've done. Absolutely. Well, Todd, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. And Thank you. we'll have all the links to the Pharmacy Podcast Network and some of your shows here in the notes for today's live stream. And I'm going to read our brief outro and then we will conclude for today. This has been really such a pleasure. And um, at Podbean, you know, as you know, um, for... Um, for our network plans, if anybody is looking to start a network, we have incredible analytics. You can manage all your shows in one place. You can have unlimited admins. Like you, There's really a lot of options. Um, well, what, I have to say this. I've had four podcasting um, platforms, four hosts, <laughs> all right? And Podbean has been the absolute and most incredible of the four. So, this Oh, that's great. That's great feedback, Todd. Thanks. We'd love to hear it. Um, and thank you everyone for joining us for our January live corporate podcasting smarter event, creating a podcast network for your niche with the pharmacy podcast network with Todd Yuri, CEO of the pharmacy podcast network. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, 
Podcasting Smarter and our Corporate Podcasting Smarter series has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and business professionals. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Podcasting Smarter channel. If you join late or you want to have another listen to this conversation, you can replay this live stream on Podbean's YouTube channel and our Podcasting Smarter podcast. Podcasting Smarter is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing solution and private podcast hosting solution for Fortune 100 companies with secure encrypted podcasting and a proven track record within the industry. Head over to podbean.com backslash enterprise to learn more about our business, enterprise, and network solutions. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this replay of our live event episode. If you have any questions about podcasting and want to get in touch with the Podbean team, reach out to us at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Happy podcasting.